Hello and welcome to the Women's Edition, the podcast which celebrates women's stories. I'm Carla and I'm joined by women who share stories about their lives, experiences and challenges. So wherever you are, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy their stories as much as I do. Hello and thank you for listening to my first podcast. I've been wanting to do something like this that looks at women's experiences for a while now, but I didn't really know what form it could take. Then there were a few things that led me to start the Women's Edition podcast. I was actually scrolling through Netflix and I noticed nearly all the films had a lead man as central character, which might not be a surprise to many. To find a woman, though, I had to scroll all the way down to films with a strong female lead. And it did get me thinking again about how women have to be exceptional for their stories to be heard. Where are the Tom Hanks equivalent films for women? Where are the women's stories? So I felt like I could start a conversation and perhaps a place where women could share their stories. And I can't make a feature film, but I can possibly make a podcast. And that's why I thought a podcast would really work, because I can do a podcast from home. And I love how podcasts not only make you feel connected to people, but I usually learn a lot from them. And I love listening to podcasts when I'm out on walks or cooking dinner. So it just seemed like a natural thing to do. Then I read Dottie Charles's book, Outraged, Why Everyone is Shouting and No One is Talking. And in it, she talks about how outrage nowadays is currency. If you're outraged by something, it means you take the higher moral ground. Outrage is now cultural currency and people just spend it like they've won the lottery. And she says, everyone on social media is jumping on this bandwagon of trivial things which gets blown up and then all the while no one's actually talking about the issues that matter and that really struck a chord with me. So I want to talk to women about topics and stories that matter to them without all of the noise and because it's also super empowering to be listened to. I'm going to finish with a quote from the magnificent Ruth Bader Ginsburg who said, fight for the things that you care about but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. So I hope I'm doing that. And I hope you'll join me in listening to what these wonderful, wonderful women have to say. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, as I know neither of us have ever done anything like this before. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Because I know quite a bit about you, but our listeners won't. So, yep, I live with my husband, Corin, and we have two children, uh, Fern, who is four and a half, and Heath, who is coming up for 11 months old. He'll be one next month, which is completely mad. We live in Devon. Um, We have lots of family around us, which we feel very lucky for. We live right by Dartmoor. We're close to the sea. Yeah, I feel like Devon is a pretty special place to live. I love it so much. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know I moved to the Netherlands for a while I really miss Devon I'm from Devon and I miss the rolling hills and the seaside Uh, yeah it's a pretty special place thanks Anna for giving us that introduction I wonder if you would now like to tell us your story tell us the story of small folk okay so I guess the story of Small Folk kind of begins with Fern, my daughter, who was born in 2016. And I didn't have a job from about three months pregnant because we moved house and 
county and country, I suppose, from Scotland back down to Devon in England. Um, and I kind of assumed correctly that nobody was going to give me a job when I was three months pregnant. So I went through being pregnant and then I had Fern and didn't work again for two years, pretty much, of her life. Um, and that's pretty much where the availability, I suppose, of being able to do this started. So probably when she was about one and a half, I went to get her some shoes. She needed a new pair of shoes. And I went into Totnes and the little shoe shop that we were using to get her shoes um, had closed. So that was quite annoying because Totnes is our local town. If I had wanted to go and get her some from somewhere else, it would have been pretty much Clark's as the only option. Yeah, so that sort of clicked something in my mind as to thinking, oh, there's not a shoe shop in Totnes for kids. That's really annoying. Surely there must be lots of other parents who feel the same. And at the same sort of time, one of my friends who owns a little shop in Totnes uh, was pregnant and was going to give up her shop to go and have her baby. So it all sort of coincided and I made the leap of faith to just go for it, to open a shop in Totnes selling kids shoes. And it kind of grew. Once I started looking into it, I thought, oh, there's not really anywhere to buy clothes either. Most of the time I'd been buying online or secondhand car boot sales, charity shops, etc. But there wasn't a shop in Totnes that I would have bought anything from. Um, so yeah, it grew. I added clothing and select few toys. The shop is, was very small, so I could only sell a few, you know, a few brands to begin with. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much how it started. A real leap of faith then by the sound of it. Um, yeah, so it's maybe seems like a leap of faith, but my parents were self-employed all, all of their lives and they were um, jewellery makers. So I grew up surrounded by, be, you know, being your own boss. It seems normal to me. Um, so, yeah, I find it a joy. I like having that um, autonomy, I suppose. I like that what I do is reflected in the outcome kind of thing so you know if I work really hard then things go well and if I have time where I just need to take a little break and a step back then things calm down a little bit but that's fine I'm I'm happy with that it's it's the sort of ebb and flow. I'd never really thought of being self-employed and running your own business in that way like it's all on you but I guess the other side of that is that you can totally own your business like it's your ethos it's your approach there's no board meetings to decide what goals or purpose the business has it's it can be totally your approach so what is your approach to your business I kind of think of small folk as quite forward thinking so what does that look like so I'm always very conscious of um, anything to do with people in particular so like women that I hire so um, I like to be flexible I would hope that they would say that I'm a very flexible boss they've all got children so it's a matter of working around that we work as a team to try and cover each other where needs be 
so yeah, that's in terms of the people who work for me, but there's other other aspects to it within the business as well. So obviously there's pretty basic things that people can choose like energy supply. So I make sure that the energy that supplies the shop is um, renewable from renewable sources and also the insurance. So my insurance policy is from um, the only environmentally conscious insurance company in the UK called Nature Save. Shameless plug there for Nature Save. They are a great company and they happen to be based in Totnes as well. So um, maybe that's confusing, but obviously insurance, the um, money that you pay insurance companies goes into things to make more money. Um, and Nature Save ensure that the uh, investments that they put your money into are environmentally sound. And there's also the very basic um, sort of thing of, of the goal of your business. So, you know, I'm not aiming to be a multimillionaire. I, you know, my business, I would like to make enough for myself and my staff to have a, you know a living wage and to be able to support local business and other small businesses who are you know thinking along the same lines yeah that was actually one of the questions I have here is to talk about the businesses you work with because I know you work with a lot of makers from the UK and there seems to be this rise at the moment in the number of women starting their own businesses especially makers um, yeah, there definitely seems to be a rise. Like, I think I've got four or five local makers who make things from mobiles through to clothing, through to dolls, most of whom are like hyper local, as in they are within probably a five mile radius of the shop. Our friends, as well as people who um, whose work I sell in the shop. So um, there is... Susanna, who makes the Nine Eye clothing and accessories. So she started out maybe a year after I'd opened the shop. She came into the shop and we started talking about kids' clothes, women's clothes. She showed me some samples of some things, some waistcoats that she was making. And it kind of went from there, really. We sort of um, regular, regularly chat and she grew this amazing brand which is now women's wear as well as kids clothing because it started just as kids um and she's she's in dartington so she's literally down the road she's um just a super lovely lady she's got three kids who are all at school so she does her work around looking after her kids um she's very on it with sustainability of the fabrics that she uses so she uses like architex linens and organic cotton um so i i mean i really love her brand it makes me feel very happy that i know exactly who is making the clothing that i'm selling in the shop um and that she's doing such great research around the fabrics that she's using and like every element of her brand down to the labels that she sews into the clothing the labels the swing tags everything is sourced with sustainability in mind um, and Naomi is another lovely local lady 
who makes the beautiful uh, Waldorf-inspired dolls that I sell in the shop. So she is a very good friend of Susanna's and was sort of standing by Susanna as Susanna was building this business. And then Susanna said to Naomi, you should bring in some dolls, show Anna some dolls. And Naomi reluctantly agreed, I think would be a good way to put it. But when she brought them in, I was just blown away. They're just stunning. And she, um, again, is really on it with what she's using. So the dolls are made of organic cotton or linen and they are stuffed with wool. So they're really natural. Some of them that she makes are suitable from birth. Very, very sweet little dolls. And they're all, um, they're all completely individual as well. So she never makes exactly the same thing twice. They've all got their own sort of personality which I love. So I've also got um, my lovely friend Claire who makes mobiles that are sold in the shop. I haven't got them online. Mobiles, if anybody has ever tried before, mobiles are probably the hardest thing to ever take a photo of. So hence they are not on the website. But if anybody ever wants you know to look at them, I'm happy to take some quick snaps. Um, so, yep, she's literally down the road from me in Buckfastly. She is um, a mum friend, I suppose that's a good term. She, so she's got a daughter who is about nine days older than mine. Nine days. Might be a little bit different to nine, but somewhere around that. They're very, very close in age, and we met at the local playgroup. And when I opened the shop, Claire showed me these mobiles that she was making, and I was keen, keen to sell them in the shop, keen to help her out that's one of the things that I also love about the freedom of being self-employed is that you have this opportunity to um sort of I don't want to use the word help other people because it's not helping other people but it's like support yeah you know when I was um pregnant with Fern and had Fern when she was younger and before I did any of this it would have been amazing had there been um a local shop who would have sold something that I make I'm a knitter so I could have I could have created a brand and done and done this in a different way but that didn't exist and so the opportunity to be able to be that thing to me was really cool and it means you know that Claire who at the time when I first opened the shop she's um, two two young girls so she was doing sewing of these mobiles in the evening when the girls were asleep I just think it's really cool. It's like women supporting women, which I think is really important. It so, so is. And I think, I have to say, I do think you're amazing for giving women that space to be able to sell what they're making. I think you said all of the local makers you've got to know had babies and then started their own businesses. And that's something I'd really like to look into because the more mums I get to know, having become a mum... I just don't think the usual nine-to-five jobs these days fits particularly well with being a mother. No, they definitely don't. And that's one of the things that that was why um, when I had had Fern and, you know, she was, say, one, there, there just wasn't any point in my head in getting a job because it seemed to me that I had the choice of either staying at home and looking after Fern and being with her as much as possible or and with childcare costs 
involved. To me, I, I couldn't cope with the idea of doing a job that essentially would mean I would have take-home pay of about £3 an hour. It seemed, I don't know, it just seems, it seems wrong. So it, it didn't even occur to me to, to do that. I guess it depends on, for some people, they, they have no choice and yeah. getting getting basically the equivalent of £3 an hour is is the difference between being able to survive and not. So I understand that that is definitely a privileged privileged position to be in to be able to say I don't want to go back to work because I don't want to work for that little there's a lot of people out there who don't have that choice and one of the large things it like for the um, got certification is that that um, employment should be freely entered into so that's that's an interesting conversation in itself you know is employment in the UK freely entered into when somebody knows that they're going to be earning such a small amount of money. Wow, another topic I will totally be looking at. Actually, as part of this podcast, I'm going to be taking topics raised by the women who are featured. I'm going to be looking into it in more detail. So either that's going to be blogs or possibly videos. Because I just think women have to hold so much. You know, this year you had the you had the pandemic to deal with. You had another baby just before lockdown in February. And then you moved small folk to bigger premises during lockdown I mean how's that been for you it's been quite a full-on year <laughs> not gonna not gonna lie I'm not anticipating another year to ever be quite like this one just gone um yeah so yeah basically the year started with Heath being born he was born in February um just literally probably about two weeks before everything really kicked off which was such a relief looking back because I actually had an elective c-section so had I have had that say two weeks later it would have been a totally different experience yeah so the year started off with me having Heath and then the lockdown started I think about a month after he was born like the first lockdown and that was full on Um, I furloughed all of my staff at this point I was still in the little shop so the quantity of stock was much less than it is now so I brought all of my stock home and basically worked from home by myself packing web orders and doing everything else at the same time whilst having a brand new baby it was probably the most intense um, period of time in my life ever so far it was hard work Um, but it was also really nice. Again, bringing Devon into the mix, we were very lucky to be here. The weather was incredible, so when I wasn't doing work, we were chilling outside. And yeah, it was it was a very mixed experience. Um, and during all of that as well, there was the whole thing of looking at this shop over the road that came up for rent <laughs> that I've been looking at ever since I opened the little shop, really thinking, oh, that's a nice shop. I'd quite like that shop. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so during lockdown, I remember going and collecting stock and looking at the, at the sign saying it was for rent and thinking, maybe. And then, yeah, then fast forward a couple of months and there I was in the new shop. I think that was June. I think I, yeah, I think I reopened in June. Um, yeah. And it's been, it's been very busy, which is really good. That is fantastic news and good to hear a positive story coming out 
of such a distressing time. I hear all these stories of shops closing, especially little indies and independent run shops. It's really sad. And so it's so good to hear that some shops are weathering this storm. I mean, I know I've been buying a lot of beautiful clothes and toys from you, much to my husband's annoyance. So is there anything actually in the shop at the moment you're particularly loving? A book called Migrants I've just got in recently, which is trying to open up the conversation with children about um, migrants, people coming from elsewhere who are in need of help. And I don't like to shy away from difficult topics with my children. I think it's important from a young age that they are aware of the world. Um, and it's, it's a word-free book, so you can tailor it to the age of your child as to what their level of understanding would be and also you know, how deep you want to go into the conversation about you know, the state of the world, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing book. It's a really beautiful book and it's an incredible parenting tool to teach your children about the world and to hopefully increase their understanding and lead them into being welcoming and kind people which you know as far as I'm concerned that's one of my key goals of being a parent. Yeah totally same here we have to talk about these things and normalize them because that's what's happening in the world at the moment there's no getting away from that and the children we're raising are the future generations you know I think I'll definitely be buying that book navigating explaining what the world is like is tricky you know um what the future holds talking about the future where do you see small folk going what's your plan do you have one what's on the horizon so yeah definitely expanding and refining the women's wear range so i started that because i had more space it's what i wanted to do for quite a long time and pretty much daily people would come into small folk and say why don't they do these clothes for adults and like quite a few of the brands that I stock actually do make adult clothing so I thought well now I've got a bit more space now's the time to to do it so yeah it's it's a small selection at the minute hopefully it will grow but it can't grow too much because then I'll need an even bigger shop <laughs> um yeah, so growing the women's wear and refining the brands and knowing exactly what people are looking for. Um, and I also really want to delve into the world of secondhand somehow. I have not yet come up with an idea. It's literally just a sort of floating notion at the minute. I am a massive advocate of secondhand clothing. So, I mean, Fern and Heath still wear lots of secondhand clothing. I think it's, it's really important. It's part of the way that we are going to defeat fashion as it is now. Fashion being a loose term. Clothing in general, the way that people buy clothes. So clothes need to be worn until they can't be worn anymore. And in order for that to happen there needs to be more 
consumption of secondhand clothing. If you start off with the clothing being of high quality, like the clothing that I sell, then it's going to last through more children. And I'd really like to somehow come up with a way of selling secondhand clothes of, you know, the brands that, that I sell already, I suppose, or maybe a buyback scheme. I don't know. I haven't come up with a plan yet, but I think it's, it's important. It needs to be done. And it also opens up the, the world of high quality clothing to a larger audience you know, it needs to be priced fairly so that lots of people, so it's accessible to lots of people. Because I know that that's part of the problem as well with um, sustainable clothing is it is more expensive. There's no two ways about it. It has to be because the cost is the true cost of clothing. But for many people, that cost is high. And I understand that. And it's not attainable. So there needs to be a way of bridging that gap. And I would say secondhand clothing is the way to go. Anna, thank you so much for being my first guest. I learned so much and I really enjoyed hearing your small folk story. And thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. It's been really fun to chat. That was such a thought-provoking chat with Anna there. Uh, we hadn't actually talked about much of that ever before, so that was really illuminating for me. And as I said earlier, I'm going to be listening to women's stories and then looking into the topics or challenges that they raise a little bit deeper, maybe writing a blog or making a video. So I think from Anna there, I'd like to look into the reasons why more women are becoming self-employed or starting their own businesses after having kids. And I'd also like to delve into this notion of work needing to be freely entered into. Are some women freely entering employment in the UK if their wages are as little as £3 after childcare? It's certainly food for thought. I'm also going to be putting these kinds of topics up on social media to open up the conversation. So please give the Women's Edition a like and a follow and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please go check out Small Folk. I'll put the website and Instagram handle in the show notes. Next week, I talk to Sam McCourt, a freelance journalist who started her own local news site last year. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. <laughs>